0: Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy
1: Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host, Gypsy. And today we have John Wingate. He is the host of Crypto Conquest Podcast, a Web3 developer and a musician. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Welcome, John. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure having you. Thank you for being here with us. Talk I'm glad little- you
2: included. Oh, sorry. Oh, go no, ahead. Go ahead go ahead.
0: ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm I'm glad you included uh, the
2: music in there. I didn't know if you were going to put that in there. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, because we both do a lot of we have a, a wide variety of skill sets. So, you know,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. I like great. To yep.
1: that. What kind of music sorry to cut do you, you
2: off? Do? Oh, uh, so I've uh, been in um, a bunch of different bands, but uh, everything from I mean, really every kind of music you could ever think of. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Everything from literally classical music to country to um rap to every kind of music you can think of. So rock, you know, it's just uh, the whole the whole gamut.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm a musician myself. Um oh, awesome. I grew up yeah, grew up playing cello. Grew up in New oh wow. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I produce, sing, songwriting same as far as far as similar. Haven't done rock Very cool. quite, but yeah, as far as jazz everything else little tiptoe and country yeah oh yeah nice (laughs) great that's awesome so tell us a little bit about that's i guess that's what i was going to say you know tell us a little bit about where you're from and things like that at least you know where were you born and
2: yeah i i was born in uh in houston texas technically in memorial city so and right now you're um, where
0: again i'm I'm in dallas dallas all right
2: that's right yep so i was born in houston um you know, lived in a, a city called a I don't know if you guys are familiar with a Texas, but it's yeah. a there's a lot of um, um, athletes. We've had a lot of rappers come out of there. Um, it's it's kind of a um, very well-known place. They call they call it the third coast down here. Down in Houston, so okay. you got East Coast, West Coast, and then you got Third Coast down here in Houston. So, uh, Aleaf is one of one of those kind of um, uh, places that is uh, on the map. If you talk to people who are from Texas, but uh, yeah, if you're from LA, you guys are the place that everybody talks about. So, <laughs> I think I've only but, been uh, to
0: Houston once. Yeah. Oh, you, did you, I, well, you know, have, is that the only time you've been to Texas? No, i I'm, I'm originally from Mississippi. So i've been to dallas a few times but i think i can only remember going to houston maybe once or twice not too sure but yeah i don't i remember just being huge and humid uh
2: yeah you know it's um it's certainly not a uh, a city that i I love houston from a you know because i'm from there my family's from there and and all that but i certainly don't uh, miss it too much (laughs) let's just leave it at that So you were gonna say something, Gypsy? Gypsy, okay, I think you were gonna say something. What were you? No,
1: say? I I said, well, we passed through Dallas, um, so we drove from LA all the way to Mississippi and Georgia, so we oh, passed man. through um, Texas. But I haven't really spent too much time in Texas. So.
2: Well, you know, everybody from uh, California is moving out to Texas, so I wouldn't be surprised if you get. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's um, when you're looking at places like Austin, Dallas, you know, they have very similar environment climate um you know just the landscape is very similar uh, especially if you're looking at that l a area I mean know you got some you got some bigger hills out there, but yeah. <laughs> uh you know for the most part, we don't have the smog and the the uh you know we can we can see our hills on it all days so. <laughs> okay. uh so uh but yeah he's uh texas is um a lot of people moving here from l a and and all that so uh Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's amazing. The city, the state's growing like crazy.
1: Has that changed the culture of Texas?
2: No, because Texas is really, it's really (laughs) multicultural. No, no, I don't think it has, because Texas has always been a really multicultural type of place. There are concerns. I think a lot of people have concerns about just some of the policies of, you know, that have been set up in California and that it kind of, put California in the position that it is right now making their way over. But I think for the most part, um, those, those traditionally aren't determined by the people for the most part, you've got your congressmen and your Congress, you know, your, your people who are, um, really proposing the, uh, the, um, um, laws and then the people just get to, to vote on them for the most part. And, uh, you don't even need everybody to vote on them. You just need enough to yeah. be more than the other side so i don't see a a big culture shift but a lot of people are worried about it
0: so did you grow up um in music or was it something that you kind of got in is it in your family or is it something you just kind of got into
2: i've i've been in music my whole life so we you know when i was a kid um, my my dad's very musical Um, my brother he played violin i played trombone and so um you know from a very early age we were always we got guitars and basses when we were you know seven eight years old and we just would play and sing and play and sing and then we got really good and got better and got better and yeah. so you know we just started doing different things but you know as as much as i've always tried to pull myself into music it seems like there's always been something that's um come up at the same time that drab i love i love music first off but um uh, You know, it always seems like there's something that comes in at at a similar time that um, gets my attention just a little bit more, and I don't focus on it as much as I, you know, I look back sometimes and say, "Man, I wish I would have focused on music a lot more." I don't know how much more I could have, but
0: (laughs) yeah, it was for me. I um, my brother played cello as well. It was kind of offered to me. I've mentioned it before, probably numerous times on other podcasts as well. But um, I was basically offered, you know. The cello and it's something that i've had to think about as an adult On um, you know my whole music relationship i do i love music as well it wasn't quite in my family you know like maybe for you but i didn't like playing the cello growing up <laughs> so i didn't practice and i like you said I those things are like i wish i would have practiced a little more yeah i do wish i would have practiced a lot more and i wish i would have like playing the cello well no after growing up i guess i learned more that i didn't like classical music mm-hmm. it wasn't the cello yeah it was i didn't really yeah. like playing classical music even though it's the ultimate foundation for the um, um cello or for you know for string instruments period and the fundamentals and everything the technique and everything that come along with it is is priceless but it i just couldn't connect to it the same way that you know and then by the time I got into performing art school with the cello and then I was introduced to the bass guitar um mm-hmm. in the fifth grade and the performing art school that I was attending got these little keyboards. Not well Man, so, so you, you were, were early. Like, you you were doing this, you were playing cello early. Five years old. Yeah. I started at wow. five. Yeah. Like Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is like my brain because at the performing arts school we had music history i mean music theory as well so we had to learn music history as well and uh, along with that my brain just kind of kept taking that information and pushing it away like you said i can't tell you about mozart beethoven Haydn, all of those that we had to be tested on constantly it never stuck even in college i still it didn't stick you know how it stuck with a lot of other um students even just well that's a
2: problem with that's a problem with teaching and education in general is that they don't tend to teach the kid what the kid gravitates towards they tend to just you know put a put a book in front of them and say memorize everything that's in this book it's a it's a bit i think it's a big problem with the way education is structured today uh we've got so much capability with with technology um to cater to specific kids and and test them for specific likings and things like that that i really hope that um because i have four kids and they're all going <laughs> up through it yeah. that uh elon musk has a very interesting school where uh he he developed it for his kids but um i whenever i hear people say things like that because i'm the exact same way there were so many things in school that i was just like i don't i don't want to hear about this i really you know it's it's something that i'm not interested in um and and you know if you look at people like elon musk or steve jobs people like that they tend to give you the advice of you know do what you're passionate about because that's what you're going to stick to and and be passionate to wake up for the next day and i think we've got to instill that into our kids it's a it's a just just it's a injustice that we're doing them by by creating educational systems to to both of our points i think
0: yeah because even then at sixth grade when they the school received or the piano um class the teacher for her classroom she received keyboards and they came with these instrument boxes and basically then we got drums and sounds right at our fingertips my brain was i was i barely kept a c just to keep from not getting kicked out of the class or you know for not getting kicked out of the the, uh, yeah, you did what school. you had
2: to do you obviously were able to do it you did what you had
0: to do but we our assignment is you know the scale this books like you said they put this book there and this, learn this song and you know as a beginner piano pianist um i have even to this day i have instrumental songs that i started making and saved them on a floppy disk <laughs> now but i wasn't Interested in that? In what, what songs,
2: type of floppy so. disk are we talking about? Are we talking are we about ta- the five and a quarter, or are we talking about the three and a half? You got to be the three here. and a half, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the three and a half, like, yep. yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. 38 for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm 39, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's funny how how things even worked out. My my private cello teacher was, her, um rest in peace Nadine Derby. She's like was like a second mother to us because we had um private lessons twice a week and we were like her prize students um our pianist who also played cellists uh, or the accompanist you know who would accompany us on our recitals and things like that whenever we go to competition or anything have to perform we had the um pianist mrs sullivan trying to pull back the her name um Let's say maybe was it jacqueline sullivan or it's, Jacqueline? it's sullivan? funny i
2: can't I, I was trying to pull back a uh uh elementary school teacher's name for uh the other day the same way and i was like what is
0: her name i was gonna try to look her up on linkedin i know it's sullivan i just i'm i'm not too 100 percent sure on the, uh, her first her first name, name. Either either that's my problem i know mine Jacqueline, was miss clayton
2: <laughs> but i just can't remember what her first name was because <laughs> yeah. we used the last but name <laughs> that's right yeah uh-huh.
0: i um i had to go to her house one time to rehearse and she had the same box that my school had and she had the equipment to put those instrumentals onto cassette tape so Ooh. she ended up putting it onto cassette tape for me oh, and i nice. actually like i said i think i if i'm Quite sure i still have those cassette tapes you know wow. that, that you know when i made started making those beats after that i probably didn't get into producing and learn what a music producer was until college like my freshman year or i could maybe say coming out of high school when, when i'm graduating from high school I had so a what was that the was a what
2: was that transition for you so i've always thought
0: like you know how do, how do i
2: I've done everything from plays and musicals and, you know, played instruments and sung songs and played, you know, whatever, right. But there's a transition, I think, mentally between being a a person who performs and then being a person who produces because not, you're really not even, you know, just writing music at that point. You're, you're putting it all together. Every, Mm -hmm. every aspect of it, you're finding, you know, who the proper artist is for the, the piece, you're finding the piece, you're finding, you know, who's going to mix it, who's going to put it together. And sometimes that's, you do handfuls of those. Sometimes you do all of it. Sometimes you just pull the people together. So what was that like for you? Uh, Cause I've always, you know, I've always been interested in that component.
0: To go back, I guess, to the, my middle school days when I was producing, um, in that same classroom, the teacher had, um, the device, basically she could hear everybody you know as far as she could press the button and she that's how she conduct the class one on one or then you know if she, oh performing wow for this was in class. when this was when you were in 6th grade this is uh uh-huh, 6th grade at a power apac performing arts school in Jackson wow. Mississippi
2: yeah wow that's pretty and, advanced for that far back
0: <laughs> and we didn't have any major producers david banner is one of the biggest names as a music producer to come out of mississippi so there wasn't like a local um following that you could you know get involved with and learn how to produce like you did and like you had in atlanta or some Mm -hmm. other places Mm -hmm. so even then you know like i said i was pretty rebellious i wasn't interested in you know um learning the book stuff so at the end of the class she would press the button and to you know everybody hear everybody and then you know that's just to, as a sign you hear a quick flash of everybody's music in your headphones and you know that the class is finna get ready to end and every time she pressed that button you know you hear a beat you know coming from somewhere and all the kids will look up at me uh-huh. and after <laughs> after so, <laughs> after so uh-huh. many years like you said the question that you ask about how do you how do you know certain things those kids super talented pianists some of them we, we were just in the same theory class together but they were in performing art school for that for just for piano they were mm-hmm. crazy and even those kids would be like hey can I see your disc so I can listen to some of your stuff and they can't create they yeah, can read it so off the paper the and that's yeah. something that I realized then you know so it was a balance out of i'm not worried about the teacher liking my music the, the, the students they like my stuff at least the uh, these are other you know quality musicians but i wasn't you know even coming through high school there was nobody to, to really say anything or around me to push as you know even not even the the um instructors you know they didn't they didn't know anything about creating original music and producing it or just putting it out well i think that
2: You know, you just you just unlock something in my mind. My mind just went ding like this, because I think that's that's the thing. Remember when I said earlier that there's always been something that I always found somewhere else that I was like interested me a little bit more. It's the creation. And I've never been able to create music, but I can create, you know, I've created artwork and I've created, um, you know, I've created my own version of songs or, you know, little deviations of things right spins on things but Uh never something from scratch in music and i think i i really have to create to feel like i'm being purposeful is one of the things that i've found with myself and that's you know i think you just hit i think you just solved a lot of my problems my life problems with that statement that you just made
0: Yeah.
2: I guess. Oh, I because i think it. that's you know some people who are creators they need to create at the end of the day like if you're not able to create something so in the web 3 world like with you know that's why you want to yeah. be there because you're doing development right software development well, that's gypsy oh gypsy sorry yeah, so I'm you're into off. the yeah oh cool yeah. very cool oh yeah, oh, yeah this that's not very common to, to have women in the uh you know web 3 i mean period in crypto, you know, there are some developers I've, I've man, of the, you know, several hundred that I've uh, managed, I don't know that I've had more than a handful of female developers. So you're in a very, uh, very, uh, you know, limited or, um, exclusive club there, yeah. especially yeah, being I in the Web3. I don't run
1: 3. into too many. Actually, I was going to mention, I'm not a Web3 developer. I have an interest in web, <clears throat> I do web development, but i'm also interested in in web3 and crypto and blockchain so i um that's why i mentioned i want to start looking into transitioning to that because i have interest in it in my personal life so i figured it would go hand in hand but um yeah i haven't gotten into web3 development so
2: you're both creators i think we understand that right now you're both creators and i I do having the podcast
1: creative things as well like i i stopped development for a little while and i did photography and i ended up liking that and mm. i do some content creation um video and stuff so there's there's like two sides of me and both need to be expressed and, and artistic guess, as well yeah so yeah. it's um feel well, like it's two different sides but both have to be expressed in some way so one is through what's know.
2: the what are the different sides
1: tell say that again well what i guess think, what creative versus um like do you feel like your developer person who's doing the development is the same person creating the music as well as just two or you feel like it's two different aspects of you I, well
2: i i think that they're the same they're just different manifestations of creation so uh-huh. so you know when i sit down and try to because i've done it before i've sat down and tried to create music so there was a while i guess the most i ever got the closest i ever got to what I would consider creation of something new was I used to, I used to spin turntables. So, you know, when, when you do that and, you know, I had these, these uh, beat mixing machines and, you know, tables and, and when you're doing that, there is this element of creation that comes out when you're mixing several different songs and you're going for, you know, I mean, we used to do for like three, four hours, just spin these sets for three, four hours. And so that was probably the closest I ever got to creating. But I think that for me, the creation is, you know, the inherent thing that I want to be doing. And then I just want to be the best creator, the most expressive artistic creator in the best form that I can create. And so for me, you know, the music didn't really. I don't know if it was just I didn't have the 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 stick to itiveness to create the the music. I mean, some people, you know, they sit down and like Mozart sits down and he he looks up like I mean yeah, I'm just playing here, but he he looks up and he crumbs up with a song, you know. And I'm like, shit, I can't do that with. <laughs> with music or piano but I could do that with code and I can do that with uh, you know so many other things uh, business creation and so many other things that I just gravitate towards things I'm passionate about those two I think that's what the the difference is to there is that I'm passionate about them
0: yeah
1: and what made you get into web 3.0 development and explain what that is because we don't talk about enough about crypto but we both have interest in it's
2: first off it's about to change our lives that's the first thing we all need to understand Mm -hmm. and know it's about to radically transform the way um you know so one thing that i am a believer in is that um the fight the financial rails of of the world unless you're somebody who's disconnected themselves um you know and there are a lot of people who have and and can but uh unless you've disconnected yourself from being financially dependent on you know worldly things let's just say it like right. that uh you know finance and the financial rails of society are one of the major the most important things that that um control our daily lives and to this point in history in human history it's for the most part been in the hands of a select few whether you want to call them you know word x or word y or say they're part of this group or that group or they have this agenda or that agenda uh, it's all—it's just going back and forth between a, a very small, small group of people, and at the end of the day, <clears throat> it all comes down to you know value that we ascribe to whatever they're giving us, <laughs> right? And then we we use that as a medium of transfer. So you know, it went from stones to tools to gold to now we're just throwing paper back and forth at each other. And what crypto does, blockchain does, is it it um, it decentralizes the the concept of, of value and who sets who gets to set the value. Um, and you're starting to see governments understand that. And I'm going to cuss a little bit more. probably while we're talking um, about this. So, okay, I, I won't yeah. do the bad ones, but you know I'll throw out <laughs> yeah, just said. the Go not, ahead. the minor <laughs> ones. So. You know, it's got government saying, oh shit, because they're starting to realize. Like, I was, I was, um, you know, I run a project called Bank Social, a company called Bank Social Financial. And it's a, um, it's a crypto, it's a financial blockchain uh, company that's focused on decentralizing just how the, the financial institutions around the world work. Uh, and 7% of the monetary supply is now in cryptocurrency. 7% of the total monetary supply is in cryptocurrency. And that's really a tremendous number when you think about how much uh, fractional uh, lending is done. So you, you, the concept of, you know, there's three of us here on this call. And, you know, I, I take a dollar, I put it in a bank, they give that dollar to you. Then they give that dollar to you and then you know but we all have a dollar in the bank but there's really only one dollar right yeah. it just keeps going around and around and around so when you think about that and then you think about now crypto has taken seven percent of whatever all that value that has been created over there that's a really tremendous that's a tremendous uh number that it's been able to amount in such a short period of time and you know, we see governments starting to make big moves. Um, some are being really, really embraceful of it. Others are, uh, oddly enough, the United States, well, I don't want to say oddly enough. I think it's, there's it's clear why, but the United States has been very slow to adopt any specific stance. I mean, every time you hear it, it's like, you know, scare, I, you know, I've got this conspiracy theory that, what they're really trying to do is just scare the markets as low as they can, so they can continue to acquire mm-hmm. as much as they can, uh, because they understand that um, you know the way these the, these these systems are coded, and they can't be broken. And you know wh- when when there's a finite supply, and you can't just go push the button to say, okay, we're raising the debt ceiling and we're printing uh, you know five trillion more dollars, uh, stuff gets interesting <laughs> economically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh oh, did you freeze? Oh, we lost you. Form our our lives and and, and you know, it's
0: Uh oh, you froze up a little bit there for
2: Transform. What's that?
0: You froze you froze up.
2: <clears throat> you oh, sorry. Froze up yeah. for a little yeah. bit. We're... I'm
0: sorry about that. No, that's
2: all right. That's all right. Uh so, you know, basically um so now let's let's talk about Web three a little bit. So we talked about kind of blockchain and crypto, but what is the what is this web three concept? So the web three concept, you know in in Web one, you really had um, you know a bunch of centralized services that were all disparate. So you had the AOLs of and I'm talking, I think early AOL, more like bulletin board systems. If you were around, for yeah, bulletin board systems. Well. <laughs> so you know they were all very disparate in the beginning. They didn't talk to each other very well. Um, you know, uh, HTTP protocol wasn't around, and so information was seg was was you know um, siloed into these different uh, organizations. Then you had Web two come along, and it it decentralized the information. So it essentially let anybody utilize uh, the internet to, um, you know, un-silo and decentralize that information. So that was the first decentralization wave. The third decentralization wave is the decentralization of economies and the systems that power them. So even in the Web 2.0 world, you still had Amazon that had all their servers in. Ten locations or 15 locations uh, and if one I mean the the whole Amazon going down a couple like two three months ago I don't know if you guys were impacted by that at all but Amazon went down and probably 50% of the internet some components within these applications stopped working because they're all relying on you know maybe wow. AWS for database or this or that wow. the, the the internet wow. didn't go down but components of applications. Yeah, a lot of people went, yeah. use
1: Amazon and AWS yeah.
2: A significant number. And so now you talk about, okay, well, how does web three change that? Well, the internet, the internet is just a, a connection of computers. That's all the internet is. Um, and so now you talk about, well, how do you, how do you allow those computers to be a part of a decentralized network that can offload like Amazon web servers or financial systems or, um, you know, so that's the third wave of decentralization. The, the now, For let me give you a a very kind of vanilla example. So, you know, Google Docs, Dropbox. Yeah. So Google Docs and Dropbox. You get an account. You go on there. It's stored on Google servers. It's decentralized within the Google Cloud network, meaning your information could live on multiple computers. It's redundant. It's you know, but it's controlled by Google. If something happens to Google, or if Google makes a mistake your files could go down, they could be lost, they can be uh, gone away. Fast forward, that's Web 2. Fast forward Web 3 now, we have um, the IPFS file system, so the interplanetary file system. What that is, is that's a decentralized network of nodes that anybody can put on any computer anywhere in the world. And when you take your file and put it out there, it gets distributed to all these computers around the world. And then instead of paying a fee to Google, you pay you, you get some free usage out of it, but you pay a little tiny fee if you go over that. And those uh, those people who are hosting it, they get a little small, small portion of it. So instead of Google getting all this money, now everybody who's hosting gets all this money, right? Everybody whose computer power is being used gets all this money. So that's like the simplest form of transition from Web 2 to Web 3. So you can see how... Not only did it take over the whole file storage problem and decentralize that, but it also took care of the financial problem, incentivizing people to utilize their network and computing power to maintain the system long-term.
0: Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that
2: was a very long-winded answer.
0: (laughs) But it definitely (laughs) opens up as far as to get a, a little explanation for because she knows more about it than i do i'm still learning of course so that's why we definitely enjoy conversations with people like you because this helps us get a little bit more well actually a whole lot more um um, knowledge about you know some of the things that we don't know or just still can't pick because you have to watch the video even for me i watch a youtube video over and over whether it's about cryptocurrency or nfts and a couple of things and it's it's pretty complicated but you know you have to be- yeah and that's why i don't like to start off with sorry we broke up okay, we had a yeah. little bit of a glitch
2: there yeah <laughs> you were saying you don't have to you don't have to really i try not to to because it is very complex and it's there's there's so little that's known and there's so little that's evolved in this short amount of time i mean it's mm-hmm. it's evolved tremendously but to where it's gonna be yeah this is this is a i don't like to call this a revolution because it's not that that's just re- revolution is is uh, termed in the root word revolve we're not revolving around anything this is right. an evolution this is right. taking us to another phase of being as humans and i it's something that i like to call uh social capitalism So I'm actually writing a book called Social Capitalism that's going to be out in probably another month and a half. And the basis of the book is how in the future we are now um, able to work together socially and still utilize the concept of capitalism, but not in a, you know, not in this crony capitalistic or this top down capitalistic way. It's a way that benefits everybody who wants to participate. And so you'll have all these little micro economies that spin up and then you'll derive value from one or two or multiple or hundreds. And then you'll take those values and go take them into other economies that you choose to participate in. That's the future of, of, uh, f- financial freedom as I, you know, can envision and very much hope to be a part of ushering in to the, you know, to this evolution that's, that's coming in that I believe it's really got two distinct roads that it could go down right now. Yeah. One is this one that's owned by venture capitalists and people who just want to capitalize on the name of blockchain. They're, they're, they're just there to make tons of money. And then, you know, seven years later, they'll figure out what, what to make money on next, the other road. and And I believe that we're going to see, these parallel roads travel down and then what's going to end up happening is this one's going to run out of steam because people are going to start to understand the vc one and the one that's run by these people who their only motive is profit people are going to be like why there's a there's a version over here where i benefit it's not all the money's not just going to you why don't i just use this version Mm -hmm. and because there's nothing to stop it, it it will the the he who solves the problem for the people will win in the web three world versus before it was just who had the most marketing dollars you know who who knew the people in the government and who could stay relevant right who didn't get okay. shut down um there'll still be some of that but i mean there are there are projects running right now that cannot be shut off because they're decentralized in in a manner that you would almost have to shut down the internet look at bitcoin you would literally have to yeah. shut down the internet to stop Bitcoin, you know? You could shut down all the exchanges in the world that transfer it out to fiat currency. And I think that's what governments are understanding and saying, oh, fuck, <laughs> we waited <laughs> yeah. too long. Because I've been a, I've been around in, in crypto since 2010. Wow. And back then, you didn't have exchanges. It's just people on the dark web were just sending Bitcoins or mining, or you just mined them yourself. I did that too. But you'd go into Western Union, put $50 into somebody's account with your Bitcoin address, and then they'd send you Bitcoins back. That's it. That's how it worked. And so that at that point, the government could have came in, shut it all down, been like, nope, they waited, they waited, they waited, they waited. And now they're like, shit, the only way for us to shut this down is to shut the internet down. Mm. So what do we do? They can try to shut down the exchanges. And all that's going to do is tell people that, Um, We just need to keep our money in Bitcoin. We don't need to, you know, we don't need to take it out of Bitcoin because we need to, the the biggest paradigm shift that's going to take us the longest to make this transition is people understanding that they have the power and they have the value. We, it's not, it's not our relationship with government. It's not our relationship with the corporation that's what they market to us. It's like, Oh, when you get that, when you get that McDonald's in your hand, you feel good. And you and McDonald's are powerful. No, (laughs) no, (laughs) you are powerful. You're, you're supremely powerful over all of that. Um, And so that's, that's the position that we're going to have. That's the paradigm that we're going to have to uh, push past. We're in the right time though. We have the ability, I mean, beautiful people like you are, um, you know, getting messages out there and, working hard to get messages out there i know you guys are doing two podcasts a day that's you know
0: <laughs> for now yeah, yeah. yeah well that <laughs> that's we, that's a tremendous amount of work yeah, it'll definitely probably be even more podcasts a day
2: wow yeah. that's incredible that's incredible but you you know beautiful people like you guys are putting this this information out there and whatever information it is it's allowing people to grow their you know experience through You know learning from other people's experience just like what we were talking about before about the whole being creative right and and when you decided or when you found how you found somebody else hears that and says oh that's how i felt that's what i saw that's how i experienced life this is what it's all about this is what the future world is is all about
1: yeah Yeah, because there's still people um that felt like with not that much exposure that felt like, oh, that's just a phase and it'll blow over and you know the whole thing will go away. I'm like, no, it's a, it's another layer. It's another, you know, layer of just like the internet that would be used to do a lot of different things, depending on who's. Even to
0: try it. to be a, a, I guess, to stay a step of ha- ahead um, with that idea of, how do you defend yourself or how do you how how what would be the best defense to to trying to be you know one step ahead of them trying to turn off the internet to protect your investments or you know if that if it even tried to come to that well let's be real if if the internet went down your normal bank ain't gonna work either
1: right (laughs) right so
2: so this this is not a question of if they can do it anymore it's not it cannot happen in my in my view um you know the thing that will happen is they that there could be this period of time where there's an effort an active effort and i think i see it a lot now where cor- this is why i think corporations are trying to get involved with nfts and and cryptocurrency because they need you to feel like without them you don't have power that's what they need you to feel that's if the not ultimate involved. Yeah, that's the dichotomy that's happening here is that the one side is fighting for relevancy. Mm -hmm. You know, people are waking up and saying, We just need each other. Yeah. That's all we need is each other. And the other side is saying, no, 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 no. You need, you need me, you need us, you need we, you need, you know, governments, you need corporations, you need all these things. Maybe we do, right? as components of our daily lives but not as the things we derive the most power from i I mean look at how much okay nike the other day debuted a i don't know got to like thirteen thousand dollars a thirteen thousand dollar nft digital nft who who buys this stuff what are we buying this stuff for relevancy that's what we're buying it for that's it And so they're, they're really making an active effort and they're using money to do it, which is kind of gross to me. It's really, it's really gross. Look, I love money. I love money. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But you know, there are ways there, there are certainly ways that we should be utilizing it in, in society and, um, corporations deriving power, uh, just through trying to, to remain relevant doesn't seem like the right way to me.
0: Yeah. as an artist they've tried to mix um you know of course the record label type of things with um nfts on how you know artists are going to make um money with nfts or the record label is going to use nfts to make artists now explain that to certain some artists on or if you can you know to what they really mean by that or or what are some so of so here's ways? here's
2: what i look at as a, a an nft okay so you have two different types of platforms right now in cryptocurrency just really quickly okay mm-hmm. you've got your just your coins that are just uh you know they're verifiable they're traceable they're you know they can't be stolen just through hacking okay just through hacking the blockchain then you have smart contracts okay, okay. so what you need to think of nfts and smart contracts Uh, 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 how you need to think of those is just like a contract that you're writing up as a, you know, as an artist. The cool thing, the great thing about NFTs, this is what it gives the artist, it puts the artist back in that value position, okay? Because before, how many times have you heard uh, big artists? Uh, I think there was, uh, who was it? Um, Kanye West and... Was it it wasn't Charlemagne the God? I, I can't remember Kanye West basically sh- screwed somebody out, or they thought, yeah, you know, whether Kanye did it or not is the, I don't think as relevant as some you know two sides of two parties to a deal. One thought they got screwed, the other one didn't think they were screwing anybody. But at the end of the day, how could you trace that? You got to go try to find accounting and books and will they give them to you? And are you going to sue them? And how much are you going to spend to sue them? Fuck that. <laughs> Just put your shit into an NFT and tell the, tell the record label, no, I want to sell my stuff through an NFT because you know why? That's coded on the blockchain. Whenever a, a record gets sold, you see that and you can also code in. The amount of royalty you get off of each transaction and each future transaction and it's uh, it's it's immutable it can't be changed one party can't just come in and say you know what i'm fucking that guy tomorrow because that happens all the time yeah <laughs> i mean people come in and say man i wrote a really good contract look at that you know that out 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 i had you know um the other thing it gives too is it gives it gives artists you know this this community of people who can look out for them Like no artist is going to go put their contract. You can't. I mean, (laughs) if you're an artist right now, there's like non-disclosures in your, your, your contracts that say you cannot tell anybody about how bad we screwed you in this contract. Mm. You, You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you've got these open contracts that are on blockchains and somebody, you know, your community members are like, Hey, Hey, you're getting screwed. Everybody can just decide the people who have the value can decide we're not buying that nft you know what record label screw you we'll mm. buy it when he releases another contract with another nft that's fair for everybody we have mm. the value so that's that's really where there's this uh we have to understand how to use it for good yeah is the is the main thing and specifically for artists i think they are one place both music video. I think this can be something that essentially gets put into like DRM digital rights. So when you have digital rights on a movie and it gets downloaded or, I mean, they're, they're already doing digital rights. They, you know, people try to strip it off, but the vast majority of content that goes out has some type of digital rights tracking on it. They can make it much more sophisticated, put blockchain NFTs as part of it. It will happen. I mean, we're, we're kind of prognosticating here, but, um, you know, that that gives artists and so artists just have to understand that the, the values in their hands, and their community's hands, the, the powers in their hands and in the community's hands. It's not the other way around. That's what NFTs and blockchain give you.
0: OK, to, to get, <laughs> I guess, to go a little bit more, I, I guess, even example wise, because I'm still painting the picture. I haven't walked it through for some, you know, the experience myself. So as an artist, say I'm doing an album. I'm going to mm-hmm. release an album what would be my you know what would be the way to release it as a non-fungible token because we did we've been saying nft i guess for people that don't even know what nft is non-fungible token how what's the example that or you know how would you release an album as an nft and what would be some of the things that you're looking for as an artist or so uh, let, let
2: me just get i mean this can get very complex mm-hmm. so i'm going to keep it in a very simple uh, example of how this can be done. Okay. Cause it could get, we thank you uh, much for more complex. So. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it's just because it's not, yeah. it's not because uh, you would you wouldn't understand. It's just that there's so many different things you could code into these smart contracts that, I mean, we could sit here and talk all night about potential possibilities of what could be coded in these smart contracts. Right. But at at a high level, remember what I was talking about with that IT, IPFS file system? Mm-hmm. App that here. that interplanetary yeah. file system that I was telling okay, yeah, you about yeah, yeah, that's the, replacing the, Google Docs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so you could essentially you could essentially marry that blockchain technology with a NFT blockchain technology, wrap your song, wrap, wrap the actual, you know, music, musical part of the song mm-hmm. in an NFT contract, limit access to that music for just the holders of the NFT through an app. Does that makes sense. Okay. So you'd only mm-hmm. be yeah. able to play it through an app that, that gave you access to the NFT. And then what you could also do is you could give people the ability or or you know, it depends on. I mean, the sales model, it, it could be a number of different ways. You can get a, a royalty, you can split royalties, you can give royalties to other people who bought your song. So let's say, like the first thousand users that bought your NFT you can incentivize the first 1000 users by saying you know what you'll get 1% the first 1000 users will get 1% of every al- every one of these albums that ever sold so think about a michael jackson or think about like a uh, you know somebody who sold just a ton Crazy. of <laughs> records right
0: yeah. think
2: about the incentive for his fans to get in line and, and the, the beautiful thing about this is is you don't need accountants sitting in the middle being paid millions of dollars just to push money from this side of the table to this side of the table and take their piece out of it. That's gone. That's gone. I mean, we, we just wiped away a vast portion on the table of people. Ask, and that's why you can do these types of things with NFTs. Like before you couldn't because everybody's going to make sure that you're left with 8% of whatever is on the table. whatever they need to do to make sure you don't make more than 8%. If they need to hire two more accountants, if they need to hire, you know, another bodyguard to make sure that, you know, they're going to do whatever they need to do to make sure they spend as much of that money off of your production value as they possibly can. And I'm probably going to get a lot of targets on my head for talking this way, but that's all right. I already, (laughs) I already have some on my head. I'm sure. But, but do you see what I'm, do you see what I'm trying to paint here? Yeah, so yeah. you really by taking away all these p- components that are really unnecessary components if you ask me you you have more clarity right there's less obscurity to what's going on and again you have the power to to really share this this social capitalism right yeah. how do you get social capitalism just what i was saying give the first 1000 people who come in a future royalty to every other albums that sold and you can track this on the chain nobody's ever going to question how many were sold why i didn't get my royalty it's all on the blockchain go look you don't even have to ask me it's all open source it's on the blockchain this is the I think artists more than anything have the ability to really grasp hold of this you know people are telling me it's like you know basketball players and football players Eh, you know they're they're not really creators you know, they're great athletes. They're not really, some of them are creators, certainly. Maybe maybe a lot of them are creators. But just a, just a basket, like a digital basketball card, uh, yeah. you know, but you can still codify those types of things in there too, where you're saying, okay, you get the first, you know, you get royalties on the next and then, ne- but really where it makes sense is in the creator space, music, mostly in, in music, I think is a big, big uh, place for NFTs to go. Um, so yeah i mean did that answer your question yes you did i'm really glad
1: you explained all of that because i've always wondered like how is this going to play out in the music space um so this is
0: and i hear people mention it but i of course you know with information you kind of got to go over it over and over it sometimes to absolutely and it helps to hear from different people you know other than just gary vee so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, well, with Gary Vee, you've
2: got to pick it out between the fucks. So yeah. It's really hard. <laughs> but I love it. Really yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> but, you know,
0: we definitely. But, uh yeah. That's, like I said, it definitely helped. Even for our listeners, you know, that's one of the reasons why I even ask certain questions is just to get it from a very beginner mindset. You know, how do people get introduced into it like you said you've been into crypto since 2010 and that's amazing but i'm <laughs> I'm still fairly new you know and this is 11 12 years later almost i mean so, you, we're the good thing is that
2: we're all still very new if you look at like the adoption curve rate of um okay so i, I put out a number seven percent of the total world money but that's not user adoption it's way less on the user adoption side so we're we're like early you know 1999 1998 maybe we're crossing over that 2000 bubble that happened in the internet back in the day where you had a bunch of companies everybody was you know starting to figure out that man this internet is a pretty cool thing what is this thing you know you got mail what is that (laughs) that sounds pretty cool you know so, so the the when the internet started started really blowing up that's where we are right now with cryptocurrency that's where we are right now with blockchain so mass adoption is still you know in front of us we're not it's not behind us we're not like in the in the iphone app stage yet so just know that getting involved now still puts you way far out in front and i think it's great gypsy that you're getting into web three development yeah. i would highly highly encourage you to learn technology are you do you know so, react at all
1: um yes not as much as i feel like i should but yes that's um, okay that's okay i work mostly with angular more so than react but yeah I've...
2: But perfect i mean you know anything that's so the the web three world is very front-end focus you know the
1: And by the way, I was going to say, I actually have five other uh, four other siblings that are also uh, web developers. So we're like a family of developers. Write the world. (laughs) So you guys need to go write the new Web3 world. We definitely appreciate like what languages um, are like. Would you recommend because I know I see some JavaScript, but I also see Python. Like, what are your recommendation for a person that's getting into Web3?
2: Yeah, so my recommendations are mostly um, front-end languages because a lot of the applications just deal with, um, they're just uh, user front-end applications. And and Web3, for the most part, unless you're doing something significantly more complex, Mm -hmm. doesn't always have to go back and touch you know, Python backends or or PHP backends, Go backends, wh- whatever other languages you want to use server side. So more so client side rendering, you get speed out of it, um, and and you can deal with wallets, you can deal with transactions. Uh, languages, I think React, um, certainly Angular, anything that's really front end JavaScript. Um, you know, they're all they're all really JavaScript. Um, yeah. uh, but you know, learning um, Node. Node.js uh, would be would be something that um, kind of would if you're a front end developer but you're trying to do some stuff in back end, that's a easy, seem more seamless transition than trying to go to you know Python or PHP or whatever other yeah. language you, you want to talk about. Um, and then as far as I'll give you guys a couple of uh, you know SDKs, mm-hmm. the development kits that you should look at. So there's one called Morales. Okay. M-O-R-A-L-I-S, Morales. Okay. It's a, a JavaScript framework that, um, you know, there's a Web3 library. There's a Web3 component library that you can um, include in any project. But the Morales has taken that and put a bunch of wrappers around it. And okay. it's also taken other components, other Web3 components, and brought them into one library. Um, and I think they're doing a, a really great job at uh, – and, and they also have – so. You know there's three components most of the time to any application you, know, you got your front end you got your server side and then you've got some type of database component that typically sits with the server side uh, component so um with with these um you know faster more agile um products that are being released you tend to see like no sql databases mm-hmm. you know so yeah. like maria db um and that's something that Morales has out of the box. It comes with a free Maria DB um, instance, uh, and you can just kind of write directly to that Maria DB, and it's really fast and it's really cool. So those are the technologies that I would recommend uh, playing with if you're looking to be, you know, kind of in the forefront of Web three. But you guys should, I mean, you guys should really start pushing yourselves that way.
1: Yeah, we do. Uh, we try to. You know get together and build stuff as much as we can but react is one of those things that they're always preaching to me (laughs) (laughs) so uh this now i'm definitely convinced that that's what i need to focus on a lot because it is popular language out of all of the javascript languages i feel like react um gets the most um I guess the most popular one.
2: It's it's got a lot of marketing that's behind it. So yeah. a lot of it is Facebook. You know, Facebook pushed it pretty heavily okay. for a long time. I, I, I'm not when people ask me about languages, I don't think you're you can go wrong with any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the most important thing is solving the user's problem. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't happen with React. Like you, you can build a bad application in React. You can build a great application in React. Yeah. You can also do the same thing in Angular. And as yeah. far as the user experience, you can get a almost identical user experience with Angular versus React. I think from a development standpoint, React may be a little faster for prototyping. Yeah. Especially like like um, you know, React Native might be a little bit faster for prototyping across apps or, you know, uh, mobile devices in app space. So that that's really the only, you know, major benefit that it would have. But again, I think that even knowing angular, um, learning web three with, with any, any, anything I do it with, with all different types of languages, because at the end of the day, um, you go out and you try to find something and you start pulling libraries together. And you say, okay, these are, our, I don't want to go build from scratch every single time. Mm-hmm. So it's speed to market. You start pulling libraries together and you see some work better with other languages and some work better with this language or that language. And then you just kind of put together something that solves the user's problem. That's really what mm-hmm. I think is the, should be the pinnacle, pinnacle paramount focus of any developer.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I did want to actually. (laughs) We've been waiting on this conversation. (laughs) I did want to ask a little bit more about your company because I know you're utilizing um, Web3. So I just I want to know a little bit more about how you're doing that.
2: So um, we utilize Web3 in a number of different ways. Uh, Mostly it's that social capitalism incentivization model um so we've got a debit card product that we're rolling out we're in the process of rolling out so allowing people to get rewards in crypto get extra rewards if they're a, a part of the ecosystem allowing them to track it themselves on a decentralized um you know uh something that we don't have to take accounting for and they can just you know utilize it themselves um, we're allowing people to um, get mortgages and home loans with cryptocurrency, mint NFT mortgages with cryptocurrency. So uh-huh. we have a lot. Of, we have we have a couple other things uh, that are in the the works in our head uh, that'll be coming out soon. But these are the products initially that we're launching with right now. Um, and you know the the application stack. Just if you're wondering what we're using, yeah. um, it is it is quite the amalgamation of different technologies so you know there's a little bit of python in there there's a little bit of php in there um there's a little bit of golang in there a um, little bit of react a um, lot of lot of javascript all over the place uh, you know it's running on on nginx and node so you know again i'm i'm the it's like the other side of the coin is i don't want to have 50 languages to manage as a yeah. you know, former software developer and manager of, you know, hundreds of developers. So it's kind of a fine line. It's a balance. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I try to balance speed to market with, um, you know, optimal client or, or customer satisfaction, solving the customer's problem. And if I, if I do that, um, you know, if we have to manage another package, we just have to manage and you know another package.
1: Yeah. You mentioned something interesting. I just came across the information recently. Real estate, as um, sorry, he said, real, doing real estate and blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. Like how would how does that work exactly?
2: So you know, there's my my. I have background in uh, real estate, so I'm a real estate okay. broker as well as, um, you know, I've done, I've built homes and done a bunch of flips and remodels and all that. So there are many components of the uh, ecosystem, the the real estate ecosystem that would benefit from the use of cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, one of the probably most prominent um use cases is title and chain of title the only problem with most of real estate it's different when we're talking about an artist putting in a music on an nft because they can really do that them and a developer to like you gypsy you guys could help each other and do an nft some you know in a couple days or a week or two weeks whatever it is and then you're done with real estate you've got all these regulatory and traditional rails that um are vast and sprawling and it's you know title is one of those places so when you buy and sell a home if i buy a home from you you've got to you know we've got to have assurances that since the beginning of time you are legally able to own that home that's how it works there's something called abstract of title It ties back every single owner or every change to a property from, you know, sovereignty of the land to today's day and time. There's insurances that go behind that. Um, You know, there's title companies that insure the insurances. Um, And so when you start talking about all those portions of the, the pieces of the ecosystem, you know, you break it apart and you say, okay, well, which ones are easy? to put on the blockchain. And then which ones like, for example, that, that abstract of title, they have to get that from the, the county in Texas, at least. So, you know, every county is on a different system. So you can start to see, you can start to understand the complexities that that can happen in certain parts of these ecosystems. In, in mortgages, it's a little bit different because you're dealing with, um, you know, those, the documents, the information, the underwriting, those are handled by banks, and each bank, um, you know, they they try to standardize as much as possible because of things like Fannie and Freddie and all those, um, you know, major underlying buyers of mortgage. It really comes comes down in the mortgage side to who buys it, and so in order for, you know, if I'm if I'm doing a loan as a bank and I don't want to hold that loan, I need to make sure that when I underwrite it and I look at all the rules that I need to make sure are good, that somebody else is willing to buy that loan off of me. So because there's more standardization in the mortgage space, there is the opportunity to create NFTs that wrap all of that complexity and codify it on a blockchain. So, okay. you know, that, that's where we're focused on right now. But there certainly are other components, um, you know, that, that could be taken into consideration. I think some people are working on the real estate agent side. Um, it's just, you know, how far out on the limb and the tree and the branches do you want to get or, or how much closer to the main branches do you want to stay? We're, because crypto is so new and that's why I encourage everybody to, to get involved now. We're building the main branches, uh, and and that's exciting to be part of an industry when you're building the main branches. Because um, when you yeah. start building little twigs, it's like if you're out there on a twig by yourself and it snaps and you fall. That's, you know,
0: that's it. it's better <laughs> yeah.
2: better to build a branch than it is to build a twig. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean there are so many and. and you know I talk about this right now, and we can probably brainstorm another three to five uh just mm-hmm. if we talk for another hour <laughs> about the different you know but um yeah, I think recently somebody just uh um we listened to their um Twitter spaces and you know I think a lot of people I won't call them out on this uh on this podcast, but a lot of people are just going after the name blockchain just to try to use it as it but they you know when you start talking to them about How is it going to, how does it actually use the blockchain other than just saying, Hey, I'm on the blockchain. Like the equivalency would be, okay, let's just say an artist came out tomorrow and said he's doing an NFT.
0: Yeah.
2: And you're like, great. What does that mean? He's like, I'm just doing an NFT. Okay. What is, what does that mean? You know, right. how, why, why is that any difference than buying a, buying, oh, I'm getting 1%. Oh, you can track it. Oh, this, oh, that. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, you're doing an NFT. Hell yeah, that's badass. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the whole equation that I see playing out a lot is more people are trying to take advantage of the name blockchain than are actually doing something that needs to be on the blockchain. You know, like some guys reached out to me the other day and they were like, Hey, we want to uh, we want to put um, bus um, um, so prices of of bus tickets on the blockchain. And I said, what? Why? And they're like, oh, because uh, the guy who's investing in it wants it to uh, say blockchain. And I was like, okay, that's that's a reason. You know, that's not a great
0: reason, <laughs> but I guess it's a reason. Uh, but yeah, that's a lot of that going on right now. Pretty weird. Can you educate us a little bit on uh, mining or, you know, like miners, uh, crypto miners and even just, you know, mining crypto?
2: Yeah, um, you know, so mining has evolved a lot. Um, it's one of those things that is consistently getting more complex uh, from, from the code perspective. So every time, like on Bitcoin, for example, every time a, a block is mined, it gets slightly more complex the next time. Um, and so what, what that does is, is, you know, it, it, it's, uh, the economics of getting a coin are always changing. It always, you know, gets more expensive to, to mine the next coin. Um, and so you're always having to upgrade. So there's this, there's this, um, self-limiting factor to the ability for any one guy to just go amass a ton of computers and be relevant for the next 30 years. It's not going to happen. You've got to, continue to remain profitable and do the right things and find the right power and find the right uh, machines and find the right cooling uh, optimizations software uh, to be, to be profitable. So it's very, very interesting from that perspective. But I think going forward, we may not see as much mining in the, you know, so there's two different, well, there's a, there's a number of them, but there's two main types of, um, um, blockchain algorithm, hashing algorithm concepts. One is a proof of work where you go out and you um, utilize you know, electricity and energy to try to figure out the next block. The other one is proof of stake where you have a bunch of people staking into a pool of validators. So think about just a bunch of computer nodes and then hundreds of people or 10 people or one person put money into that node together and then they say, Oh, we'll, we'll, uh, vouch for that transaction. I'll vouch for that transaction. And then if they, if they lie or they, they perform a, um, you know, they, they commit a bad block, they get penalized by all the other good blocks out there. So those are really the two different types of, um, blockchain ecosystems that are starting to diverge in, uh, so I, I think that mining is going away for the most part there will still be some tokens that that probably don't change away from mining I think Bitcoin is is one of them and and the proponents will tell you because it's the values backed by electricity if you do it that way versus in a proof of stake model the values backed by just whatever the people want to you know put and I, I agree with that I think that um, you know because it does cost a specific amount of money to mine a uh, bitcoin it will have an intrinsic value that could be tied back to the cost of energy versus um but still there's there's also a value like is is somebody going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for a bitcoin right now would you pay a hundred thousand dollars for a bitcoin right now no Mm. no No. (laughs) i don't don't have it as far as at the moment to pay but no i'm saying but uh, even if Um, you did you probably wouldn't right now because they're only forty thousand dollars right
0: yeah yeah and guide um previously on our podcast he did mention that it would be something the future most likely be something that's kind of um i guess traded amongst or transaction amongst most companies once it's at that point to where you know maybe bitcoin's at about a billion i mean a million dollars or something like that then that's what it'll become something like that
2: yeah so i have a i have a uh there's another um One of the one of the downsides to cryptocurrency, the 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 larger ones right now, is that you can't go buy ice cream with Bitcoin. You can't. If you do, you're stupid, (laughs) because you know it's going to cost you. You know the eight dollar ice cream is going to cost you several dollars in gas to spend. And same thing with Ethereum. You know you can't you can't use these systems for that reason. So what I envision happening, very much to the point, but just deeper diving it a little more, is that. Us as a, as a financial institution, we're going to do all these internal transactions all day where I'm holding everybody's Ethereum, Bitcoin, everything. Everybody who's in our financial institution will custody all their crypto and they'll spend it just like it's their own, but they'll spend it within our ledger up, down, left, right. And we'll keep a ledger of, let's say, Wells Fargo. If we owe Wells Fargo at the end of the day, a million dollars or half a million dollars or they owe us a million dollars or half a million dollars will transmit that in larger chunks to get rid of the gas fees. Because right now, sending a million dollars to Wells Fargo costs a lot of money. It's not ten dollars, but on Bitcoin, it's ten dollars. You know, you pay fifteen bucks, transfer a million dollars, no problem. So for very large transactions, it makes sense. So that's what I, I think. To to your last uh, guest point, um, the the mechanism for that will be. Financial institutions. You'll use your crypto. You'll spend it. You'll you'll send it everywhere. It'll be trackable. It'll be traceable. And then they'll settle with each other periodically in larger chunks. Okay. Yeah. Do
1: you do uh, mining? I know you mentioned you. Um, got I it used to do. I used to do mining
2: back when yeah. you could do it on. So my story is that um, in 2010, I was told one of my developers who I was working with told me about Bitcoin and and uh got me into interested in it with just a single conversation Mm. and i was always telling all my friends i was like you guys are fucking crazy this is the future of money you have no idea what you're talking about um but unfortunately i let them convince me that i was the crazy one you know so but early on i i um i mined crypto uh bitcoin specifically with um I used to use um, CPU processing power on Google uh, Cloud. So back in the early days of Google Cloud, um, you could spin one up and um, just run. You know, I would spin up hundreds of them and just run um, Bitcoin miners on them all day until the the free time ran out, and then I would spin them down. And this was all programmatic. So that was the extent of my my mining um, experience. I, I've played around with it a little bit more, but back then I actually, you know, I actually was into it and and um, you know, all the components of setting up pools and setting up miners and um automating miners and, you know, consolidating the the funds. But now, you know, it's it's a big money game. So each miner cost about ten thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know I want one. <laughs> I want and an they, Ethereum miner. <laughs>
2: So yeah, the Ethereum miners are less. I think you can get an Ethereum miner for about five grand, six grand.
1: Really? Yeah,
2: I think you can. Now the 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 you know the thing is is that they have return rates of like a year, year and a half. So if you buy that miner, you know, with the electricity and everything, you're going to spend and the cost of the miner, it's going to take you about a year and a half, you know, ten, twelve months, depending on the hash rate that you're getting or the you know. Um, whatever whatever you're mining on, it's going to take you a little bit of time to get that money back. So you really need to be somebody who's in it for the long term.
1: I, I uh, think with all crypto mining, it has, you have to think of long term and not the short term. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, the value of Ethereum, can, I feel like, will be ridiculous, you know, 5, 10 years from now and I'm not going to be worried about the electricity fee that I used to mine it. At least I don't think so. I don't know.
2: I I don't think you will, but I again I would just say that you got to look out. Just be realistic because it's not you know if it was a couple hundred bucks it's like whatever. But whenever you're dropping you know five, ten, fifteen thousand um, dollars, you know just understand that it's like a ten, twelve month. I mean that's what that's what I've looked at. I'm like sh- you know <laughs> are
1: those the GPU miners? Because I was the ones I was looking at were like fifteen to twenty thousand you're just app. you're
2: just paying you're just paying for probably name premium okay. you can put together a miner so if you if you bought it all yourself and put mm-hmm. it together so if you went on um you know let's say you were building 10 of them and you went on alibaba and you ordered everything from china and it got here in 3 weeks you can build a miner for the cards you can get the cards so the the 3080s i think are the mm-hmm. nvidia 3080s yeah. you can get those for I don't know, seven, 800 bucks. If you look around and you take eight of them. So that's, you know, what is that? Four grand, five grand right there in mining cards. Yeah, And then you take, uh, or, you know, 5,500 and then the cases are cheap. The case is only like 200 bucks, yeah, 300 bucks. It's just the power supply and a, and a bunch of slots. So the most of your money's in the, is in the, um, uh, chips is in the is in the graphics product or gpus so you can put together a machine uh, and you can buy them on the secondary market for, for about that
1: yeah i i, I wouldn't buy secondhand that, machines. yeah set it set it up for you and sell you like a rack with six or eight of them um,
2: you know you're a technical person i think so i think with between you two you could figure out how to put together a minor it's it's
1: yeah.
2: it, it's I'm not going to call it simple, but I'm going to say it's straightforward to the point that there aren't a tremendous amount of components. You know, we used to put computers together as kids, and you know, yeah. there's ugh, shit forty different components that you have to put together, and maybe not quite that many, but you know, there's certainly more than just eight graphics cards and a power supply. Right. So yeah. the case has already come put together with the with the motherboards on them, and you're really just installing the GPUs and the software. So. I would encourage you to, because the other thing here too, is, is if you're going to host them in your house, what if a graphics card goes out? What if it goes down? What are you going to do? You need to know how to fix it. Right. So, yeah. So you really, you are really best served if you put it together yourself, save the money, learn how to use it. Um, You know, if you were sending, if you were buying 15 of them or 20 of them and sending them to some co-location and you just didn't have to worry about it, that's different, you know? Hey, bye. Somebody else will take care of them. Done. Um, But that's my, that's my advice on mining. We we've looked at a few different mining operations. We're actually working behind the scenes on a mining operation, but it's, I'm not mining myself. We're just, um, we're just looking at deploying other people's miners in places, but um,
1: yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that information (laughs) with us too. My pleasure.
1: Recently got a helium miner. Uh, Took like six months to get delivered smart Um, yeah but by the time it got here it's there's a lot of them here in downtown l.a yeah Um, when i ordered i think there was five um like four three or four in my hex and now there's 11 or 12 and it's going up but it's still interesting to just test out and
2: i think it's smart i think it's very smart because uh it's it's doing two things it's getting you comfortable with the social capitalistic model where now you've bought into the system and now you're benefiting from the system and you've decentralized the centralized systems so that's a very important component to be a part of i, I also think it's smart because um this is a very unique uh, helium is a very unique implementation because um i think what we'll have in the future is miners built into cars and or, or
0: Yeah, like Tesla or was it?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: These decentralized systems will be built into everything you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, getting comfortable with having, you know, with using it, deriving the value from it, you know, knowing how to deploy, redeploy that value, that's going to be a critical component. You guys have kids?
0: I have a daughter, but we don't have kids together.
2: Okay. Okay. So, so, um, you know, it's important that we teach our kids this stuff too. Um, you know, I've started a. <laughs> how how old is she? Twenty. Okay, so you know, it's important that she's you know she's older, so that's you know yeah. she's kind of in her own her own deal right <laughs> now. But uh, you know, we've got to teach as many people as we can about. These ecosystems and how they can and the only way to do that is by you being involved in them. It's very hard to teach it when you're when you're not involved in them and you don't have experience and passion and you know can actually talk to. Like, are you excited to have a helium miner? Yes. Yeah. There you go.
1: Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, a part of the Discord and all of that. Twitter. There you and everything go. Else.
2: There you go. So you're part of the ecosystem, right? Yeah. You're yeah. you're now this decentralized ecosystem of value providers. And you're very excited to be that way um yeah.
1: you mentioned the kids thing like i actually got my niece into it um she just turned nine recently awesome and i got her um a physical um why can't i think of the name the USB? uh the physical dogecoin? um wallet. dogecoin sorry oh okay a paper wallet, wallet. Um, no the jump drive no the Crypto oh you got wallet. like a
2: Trezor, like a Trezor wallet, yeah, like a crypto
1: a, Yeah, I forgot what nano it was ledger? nano ledger, yes.
2: Yeah, there you so go. So I
1: got a nano ledger and put Great. a bunch of crypto that I feel like she should have uh, for you, are awesome <laughs> you are an awesome
2: auntie. You are an awesome auntie.
1: And it's kinda cool to look at because I know she won't she won't even think about it for a long time. And so, you know, it's gonna be a nice surprise, I feel like, in the future.
0: Yeah, my nephew That's- is about eighteen. Uh, and, and he got himself into it. Yeah. You know, his older brother is not into it, but he's he's into it. So it's, you know, catching certain ones. Yeah, I think there's a there's a like um
2: like nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two 21, 22 year olds for the most part, they're going to college. They're they're trying to figure out this transition in life between high school and being a grown-up. And the one thing that often goes way over their head is that you need to start looking at the financial aspects of your life. Yeah. That's you need to start setting yourself up financially early. I wish somebody would have, you know, people did tell me that. Yeah. We're It's all of
0: us,
2: (laughs) all of us, it's all of us, you know, but I, I will say that I wasn't taught that early in life, you know? So my, my mom, you know, always make money. It's good to have money, blah, 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 blah. But you know, there are components of, of financial, um, um, literacy that we all need to be aware of and I think crypto needs to start being put into that and and really because because you can just like take some crypto give it you know create a wallet right now give it to your kid and say here start playing with it. You don't have to go to the bank or go online mm-hmm. and sign up and you know what show your id and wait for them to tell you yes and then you know it might be three four days by that time everybody's lost interest yeah. <laughs> you know like kids now they're 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 like swipe to the next youtube video <laughs> so we have to we have to operate in that mode of you know the the, the like that so um yeah I, I think it's important that we teach uh, everybody around us especially yeah. the younger generations high school and below it's you know we got to catch them there
0: and i guess before i guess my next question like the other videos say this is not financial advice <laughs> but um we didn't you know any. no no as far as like i said before the next question what would be your must-have um tokens you know in a wallet I, I don't I don't really see
2: um must-have tokens because um it, I I think that's a just get into it at the end of the day. Get okay. into it. What I tell people, this is what I do tell people: make sure that when you get into a cryptocurrency, you understand what it's about. You understand the community. Like when you got into helium, when you spent a thousand dollars or however much you guys spent on a helium miner. You didn't just do it because FOMO one day you woke up and you saw charts popping off and you were like, oh my God, I got to buy a miner and go for it. Right. (laughs) You did research, you figured it out, you bought a machine, you brought it home, and now you're, you know, working with it. So, same concept. Don't FOMO, don't fear into, don't, you know, get scared and think you're going to miss out on this wave that's coming. Don't do that. So, don't buy any coins like that. Um, You know, make sure that there are people involved real people that you can see and say, Oh, that's a real person. Um, it just limits the, there's so many scams and rug pulls. They call them that Mm -hmm. are happening out there. Make sure you're dealing with real people and then, you know, make sure you understand the ecosystem, um, to, to a degree to where if you had to explain it to somebody else, you could explain it to somebody else. Because I think that, the, the new economy is going to require you being passionate. Like you went and bought that helium miner, you put it in, you guys were obviously passionate about being part of this decentralized community. You're in the discord, you're on the Twitter, you're, you're passionate about it. If you're not passionate about something, um, the, the new economy certainly, you know, I'm not here to predict the next thousand X. I can't do that. (laughs) And I don't want to do that. You know, I'm here to, I'm here for the long, the long haul, the longer haul. Yeah. So how do we, you know, how do we set ourselves up for the, the best position going forward? It's understanding that the new economy is a, is a social capitalistic economy. We're going to benefit from the ecosystems we believe in that we understand and that we want to participate in and, and stake our value in and gain value from. So that's what I always tell people when they ask me which coins. It's like that's really more in the in this world, that's more of a personal. Question: It's not just a make money question um, to me anymore because um, you know I think I think that the the if if you've got if you've got ten grand so here's that's my official answer. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you>. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you my my non official non financial advice answer. If you're looking to just find you know ten thousand x gems and you're wanting to go drop you know a hundred bucks and try to turn it into ten thousand. And you want to spread that out over, you know, maybe you've got two, three thousand extra just to, to just play with, and you want to put that into 20, 30, 40, whatever. Um, you know, you can you can go watch decentralized exchanges. So there are um, there's like a, a um, tool called Moon Tools, MoonTools.io, okay. and you can go watch MoonTools.io, and you can see tokens that have just launched. So the, the best opportunity to do a thousand x is not to buy after everybody's bought. It's to be one of the early ones into, you know, staking into that system. So, you know, if you watch Moon Tools, you can see early launches of cryptocurrencies and tokens and then go look at their marketing. Go look at their, you know, what they're doing, what their website looks like, what they're, you know, who's kind of involved with it. And if it all looks good, you know, you can get in pretty early, you um, I don't think there's, I think, you know, you can also get into the to the main guys. I don't think it'll hurt to have some Ethereum to Gypsy's point. I don't think it'll hurt to have some um, little bit of Bitcoin. Um, you know, I also have some Binance token. It's more worldwide type of token. I think it has a lot of, um, it's got a lot of risk. It's got a lot of potential too. Uh, but, you know, I think that the top three to five, I wouldn't put any of my my funds into something like US Tether or USDC you know, I wouldn't do anything like that. I think those are just for people with hundreds of thousands that are moving to, you know, dilute their risk. So I wouldn't play around in any of those. And I would stick to the, you know, top three to five tokens if you're just talking about longer term. And then again, any of those ecosystems that you research, love, find out about. Um, So yeah, that's, that's really my...
1: (laughs) I feel like research is a big part because... If you don't end up researching it and really getting into it because you're passionate about the project, then you get all these paper handers. Every time there's fake news, you know, people are selling their positions and then they're left with, you know, and then it goes back up again and they're like, Oh shit, I missed out. And so (laughs) you definitely have to do your own research in order not to, you know, get swayed by fake news or, down. Here's
2: another thing I'll tell you that I just kind of realized myself too, and it's it's been working out very true. Um, you know, when you hear everybody saying we're at the top, we're probably not. We're probably or, or sorry, 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 sorry. When you hear everybody saying we're going to bust through to the moon and this is going to be, you know, it's ten xing from here, it's hundred xing from here, it's probably not.
0: Yeah, you're probably <laughs> that's
2: not going to happen. You're probably at the top. And you need, to, you need to understand that. And I'm not telling you you need to sell, but you need to understand that. Don't go dropping in everything you have because some guy's saying, oh, it's, you know, oh my God, everybody starts saying it and everybody gets scared. The opposite is true on the bottom. So when you start hearing everybody say, oh, you know, this is going to, it's going to drop another, uh, we're not at the bottom yet. So So look at exactly what happened and just take Bitcoin as the prime example, okay? end of december you know mid-december everybody was like oh my god it's going to a hundred grand everybody when i say everybody go on twitter everybody okay everybody who's an influencer whatever you want to call them was saying oh it's going to 100k what happened boom bottom dropped out of it okay then they're silent Silent, 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 silent. It's dropping, it's dropping, it's kind of hovering, hovering. Got down towards the bottom, and then they were like, "Shit, we didn't get it to go as low as we wanted to." So what do we need to do? We need to tell everybody, "Fuck, it's about to, it's about to drop another fifty percent, seventy five percent." And they all start saying it, all of them, JP Morgan and all, everybody, all these mm. Twitter influencers, everybody. That's all they start saying is, "Oh my God, we haven't hit the bottom. It's going down, blah 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 more." Blah, and then what happens? we were at the bottom and it starts to climb again and they were like fuck we didn't get it to you know <laughs> so it's this game it's this you know and it's kind of unregulated and it's kind of you know dirty and disgusting but you need to understand it and you need yeah. to know what part of the market at you're in so when you hear everybody screaming and this goes for almost every single token that's out there when you hear everybody screaming oh that's it you know we're about to moonshot this thing just 10x it's about to 50x yeah whatever same thing for that bottom. When you hear everybody saying, oh man, this thing's about to fucking you know when everybody's scared and everybody's pushing that maximum fear to try to get the bottom to drop out of that thing, that's when you need to reconsider like should I be should I be coming in in small amounts into this market and you know starting to bolster my position? Um, and if you follow those two um, ideologies, you'll probably find that more times than not your your sentiment predicts the sentiment of the market predicts based on the, those values right there. It's pretty crazy.
0: When there's a huge jump and, you know, of course somebody's, you've gained a lot of money and you're ready to cash out. What are some of the complications that people will have in those moments?
2: You know, it's it's not very complex. And that's what I, you know, a lot of people, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in big in the stock market and he's a technology guy. And when I told him, you know, I asked him, like, oh, you're not in Bitcoin. You never talk about it or crypto. You never talk about it. Why? He's like, well, you know, it's just, you know, how do I get my money? Where's my cash? Where's my this? Where's my It's like, you get it in two seconds. What do you mean? You sell your Bitcoin, you get your cash. What do you mean? It's done. It's easy. It's already out there. And I think just people don't understand how simple the whole equation is getting and and really how, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't. I'm not one of those ones that's like looking for a cash out point where I say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I've made my money. I'm getting out of all these cryptos and going, uh, you know, back into fiat or into, you know, into the yuan or whatever. Um, no, I see crypto as a long-term play. And so for me, it's more about, do I, do I go into another ecosystem where I think, um, you know, there might be, I believe more in the value being created over there. or Do I stay in this one? Um, so You know i think the the biggest thing to understand is it's it is easy you know you're you're, but that's also goes back to the point of you need to research these coins and tokens you're getting into because you could get into one of these ones that has been coded to not be easy and to be a scam and to hold your money so you know you don't want to get into one of those for sure
0: okay yeah Well, I guess before we wrap it up, is um, there any um, information that you'd like to share about um, projects that you have coming up uh, with this, um, say, the book? So,
2: you know, I would like to, we've talked about Bank Social a little bit and 5 angel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've also got Block Advocates. I would love for you guys to take a look at that, blockadvocates.org. That's our 501c3 that's focused on, you know, just educating the world. Um, okay. um, focus mostly on the United States, but educating the world. Love to have you guys uh, be a part of that and, and um, you know, be one of our members. It's got a very special role in our ecosystem that we really can't talk about just yet. But, um, and then of course, we have our, our Crypto Conquest podcast and I uh, hope to have you guys on there oh, yeah, soon. Sure. If you'll, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and we always invite um, everyone back. And if you're ever in LA, we all you know we'd like to invite you for in studio recording as well oh i love i love l.a it's one of my favorite places yeah so definitely feel free to hit us up if you're out here and want to come in and and do another recording excellent
2: yeah oh yeah thank you so much i really enjoyed it you guys are great yeah
1: um and for the podcast you can find us at americangypsy.com and we also have merch consistent self-improvement merch at luamlee.com and you'll have all of these links in the description. Thank you for listening. Uh John, thank you for being here.
0: John, I appreciate yeah. all of the information that you've shared with us. You dropped a lot of gems. A lot of gems. And even just the <laughs> encouraging of my wife and my in-laws to get together and do something in the programming. I appreciate that. We appreciate that as well and we know my it'll pleasure. be motivating for them as well. Mm-hmm
2: my pleasure well it was fantastic i really enjoyed talking with you guys we talked for a long time actually i didn't think we were going to talk this <laughs> yeah. it was a great conversation it went
0: very yeah. well <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> thank you really so well. much and we like to all thank the love you. and power guys yeah we like to thank everybody that has been listening or that will be listening and all our listeners and all our supporters and also for music you can um find some melodies at classic on the well under classic carpenter k-l-a-c-c-i-k c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a on spotify itunes a title and youtube all other platforms as well links will be below uh, yeah like you, said. you
1: can find all of this at americangypsy.com as well yeah
0: so thank you to everyone again consistent self-improvement everyone and we'll see you tomorrow peace peace